0: The buckets. Well, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about some key issues that we're dealing with, not just as a, uh, a people, but really in the kingdom of God. So, if you have your Bibles, you can take that out. Turn to Ephesians chapter six. It's in the New Testament. Uh, past Galatians. Uh, past, you know Math, Mark, Ma, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All those books. Book of Acts, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. Just keep going. First Timothy, Second Timothy. You'll find it. If you can't find it, and you you have a, like an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, You can cheat or get there quicker. You guys are so calm tonight. Isn't it good to worship God together, though? So awesome. I love it. So Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, let me just start in verse 14, Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then Paul says, And for me, an utterance may be given to me, That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, What Paul is letting us know is that he's not just writing this letter from being imprisoned, but he went to prison for a reason. He's writing to the church in Ephesus saying, listen, this is how God's kingdom operates and this is what the world will do to those who believe in Jesus Christ. You will be put in chains when you believe in Christ because the church was being persecuted at that time. So Paul was saying, listen, are you willing to go through what I'm going through? Because that's what's happening right now. That's what Paul is saying. And so he gives, basically, as the Bible puts it, the armor of God. Now, when he says to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and and he talks about the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, shield of faith. There must be a reason why he's giving us that much armor. I mean, I don't know if you had your children when they were young and they were going to play football or something. You made sure that they had all their gear on. And you made sure they had their shoulder pads and all their padding on, their shoes, their cleats, their helmet. And then the final one, the referee would say before the game would start, he would tell all the players, put your mouthpieces in. You'd make sure that your whole gear is there. And there's a reason for that. It's so that you could be protected from when the opponent would hit you. That's what a caring parent would do. You'd make sure that the child is dressed up the coach a caring coach would put the make sure that their players have the right gear the referee would make sure that the players have the right gear especially their mouthpiece any caring person would make sure because they know they know they're gonna take some hits now what Paul is saying here is here's some gear that you're gonna need it's kinda like saying okay so why so extreme Paul I mean why didn't you just say take your shirt shoes and go get them why, why, was it, why does it have to be like a full armory type of thing? Well, before that, he says this. He says, finally, my brethren, this is in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And here it is. Here's the reason. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand... Now the Bible is saying stand a couple of times which kind of pops out if you're ever doing like a Bible study of some kind or, or maybe you're doing your devotions and maybe that word would stick out. And you're wondering why would the Bible say to stand? Because sometimes I think we believe that we're supposed to attack the devil. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Oh, I'm just going to lick the devil. I'm just going to fight him. I'm going to take him on. I'm going to take him on. And I'm thinking, I don't think you want to do that. I don't, I don't know if you want to actually you know, stand toe-to-toe with the devil and say, come on, I'll take you on. And, and because we have a misconception of who the devil is. First of all, he's a defeated foe. So you're wasting your energy. Yes, there is spiritual warfare. And yes, you need to resist the devil and flee. But he's already defeated. we got to get that in our minds. He's a defeated foe. And he knows that too. So what he'll do as a loser he'll try his very best to strategize and how he can get back at the team that he lost against. Because in this world, if you look at good and evil, there's God, and then there's the devil. There's no in-between. There's God, and then there's the devil. So because God won, because he sent Jesus Christ to die for all the sins of mankind on the cross, the devil lost that war. So now we have eternity with God in heaven. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, but the free gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the the devil hates that. He hates that he cannot take God out. So what does he do? He goes after God's children. He cannot go after God. So he goes after you and I, for those of us who believe in the Lord. That's why Paul says, this is the armor you're going to need to have. And it's interesting that he says to stand. Now Paul is telling us, there's going to be times where you need to make a stand. You're going to have to stand. But you're not going to stand alone. You've got to remember, you're standing with the king of kings. There is none above him. So you're going to stand with the king of kings. He's going to give you his armor, and then he's going to give you a weapon. He doesn't just put gear on you, and then that's it. You're, you, all you're, you have is a, a defense mechanism so that when you're attacked, you can just block shots and arrows. He says, no, I'm also going to give you the sword. And it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's why it's very important to get into the Word of God. That's your weapon. If you're not in the Word of God, you, you have no offense. You only have a defensive strategy. It's kind of like you just back up and back up, and all you do is just hide from the enemy or the tactics of the enemy. But God says, no, 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 you're more than conquerors. I'm, give, I'm giving you a weapon. Now, here's, here's what's, what's kind of sad about it, too. Some people use this weapon against others. Even fellow Christian brothers and sisters, they would use scripture against one another. And God says, no, no, that's not what it's intended to do. It, it, you war not against flesh and blood. So it's not against your neighbor. It's not against your spouse. It's not against people. It's against the spiritual wickedness of the unseen world. That's who you war against. So you, you weren't against the wrong people. Ever since mankind tried its very best to to make societies and... and uh, do what they believe is right ever since the beginning of time we've tried our best to put together values and principles that would stand the test of time and nations have been formed societies have been formed uh, America has been birthed we're still a young nation little pockets of communities have been birthed and religious groups gathered economies circulating mankind tries to do its very best to to make something happen with certain values and principles the question is this, has the world done well with man-made values and principles? I don't think so. I mean, we try and it's almost like we go in circles, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Because they try their very best to manufacture their own values and principles, but there's one there's one person who who said something so great. It says, "In this hour, I would ask the, God, the Lord God, of the Lord God, only this, that he would give his blessing to our work, that he may ever give us the courage to do the right. I am convinced that men who are created by God should live in accordance with the will of the Almighty. No man can fashion world history unless upon his purpose and his powers there rests the blessings of this providence." And I thought, wow, that sounds so genuine because now this person is saying, let's bring God into this. And it sounds like an ideal leader, but that speech was given in 1937 by the Chancellor of Germany, Adolf Hitler. In his speeches, he challenged people to love their neighbors, to care for the poor and sick, and to take a stand against violence. And it's interesting how the devil can work that he can even use what sounds good to make us do what he wants us to do. Can you see how important it is to be in the Word of God? If we don't know the Word of God, we won't understand or discern the strategies of the devil. We'll live in ignorance. We'll live with a kind of a facade thinking that everything is okay and, hey, if nobody bothers me and I worship my God, I'm good to go. But again, if we live with man-made values and principles it will soon come to a place where we see that it is man-made because it won't last. See, the the only way one can establish a firm foundation for their life and especially our nation or our state is to find one that is unshakable. To find a, a foundation that is unshakable. In the book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, Jesus says this, He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. How many of you ever built sand castles before? You built sand castles. Maybe here in Hilo, you built rock wall castles. Yeah, we have different kinds of sand over here. When I first moved up here, I thought, what kind of sand is this? It's is dirty. Yeah, I can't build nothing with this. But we used to build sand castles on Oahu and and Hapuna. You can build sand castles. But we would build the best of the best. We'd make them nice. We'd put flags and things like that. We'd make them look real good. But after we'd go in the water and play, we'd come back. The sandcastle is gone. The water took it out or someone ran over it or just by the wind took out the sandcastle. And I thought, those things don't last. And that's what the Bible is talking about. There are certain things that we build and it's only sandcastles. It looks nice. It has a great appearance, but it does not last. The same is true with us. Many have survived the most difficult seasons of marriage, the most difficult seasons of our families, the most difficult seasons as a Christian. Sometimes we even survive the most difficult times as a church, a difficult time as a state. We survive those things. And most of the seasons that we survive probably could be because of our foundation in the Lord personally, both men and women. Who have great wisdom, have led well. Psalm 11, thir- uh, verse 3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Tonight, I just want to talk about building a firm foundation. Now, you can apply it in your life, but I'm going to also apply it to what we're going through as a state. Because right now, there is a foundational value that is being attacked. And some of you might know what it is, but no, it's not, the, it's not the biblical view of marriage because some might be thinking, oh, it must be that. Nor is it the churches. Really? What, what is it? It is, and here it is, listen very carefully. It's not to scare you, okay, because the Bible says this is going to happen. There is an, an attack, a strategy that's happening right now in our very midst against you as a Christian believer someone who believes in Jesus Christ. Now you might be thinking, oh, no one wonder my neighbor I can that, no wonder my boss is like that, no, no. It goes deeper than that. It goes far deeper than that. What you're seeing right now is kinda like in the middle of a chess game. Have you ever played chess? You know, when the person moves, if you're playing with like a really good player, a professional player, you move one or two moves, they're like seven moves ahead of you. Just by the moves you make, they're like, I'm checkmate, I can, you're done. There are so many moves ahead of you in this game called chess. And right now, we're in the middle of a strategic move of the enemy whose end result is to capture you as the so-called king, if you're using chess as an illustration. See, he cannot beat the king, but he can go after the children who represent the king. So we're in the middle of this chess game right now in our state. We're in the middle of a chess match where the devil has been strategizing for a very long time. And what we're seeing is is a culmination of efforts being done, strategies that are put together that hasn't been done in the past year or so. It's probably specifically for our state in the past 30 years in what we're seeing right now the Bible says in John 10, 10 you know this scripture that the thief does not come except to steal kill and to destroy but what did Jesus say I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly see in the next 40 days in the next 40 days If you pay attention to what's happening around you, what's happening in our state, we're going to learn what we need to do short-term and long-term concerning being the church God has made us to be. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So you might be thinking, okay, so where does that leave me then? Where does that where does that put me? Where, where do I fit in all of this? And I, I didn't know anything was really going on in our state. I... You know, I, I just kind of hear some things here and there. And, and uh, same-sex marriage, I hear about uh, what's happening with this special session. But I don't really don't know what's happening, so I just kind of stay out of it. Just, you know, let it go. Let the, let, the govern, let the governing officials deal with that. Let those who we've voted in deal with that. But you forget where you live. You live in the United States of America. It's the, it, it's the government for the people by the people. It's you who make this such a great country and you who make this such a great state. And if you live here, it's you who make this such a great island, not our representatives, although they try their very best to represent everyone. It's you, the people. That's a principle and a value that God has given to you as a human being. He's given you that. He's given you a voice. He's given you a spirit. He's given you The freedom to choose, that's something no one can take away from you. It's a God-given value and principle that cannot be shaken. It's a foundation that no one can take away. So where does that leave us then? Well, I I want us to, if you're taking notes, you can write this in, to get educated. Get educated. Don't think, now, you might be saying, oh, no wonder, yeah, I needed to go back to college. I need my degree. No, what I'm saying is to get educated in what's happening in our state right now. Because it is, again, we're catching up from 30 years of being blinded or 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 not following along with what's been happening in our state. Or maybe you have been and you understand what's happening. But to get educated, it, we got to understand what's happening right now, not just in our state, but in our nation. And what's happening right now is a, it's kind of like, again, it's, it's a strategy from the enemy. Uh, if we're here and... And our relationship is here with God and this is where the devil wants us to be where we're separated from God he he's not just gonna come to you and say you want God or not uh yeah I do Ah, junk you you want God or not uh yeah okay Ah, junk you Uh, you want God or not Uh, no okay you good he doesn't do that he's very subtle He'll study us very well, and he'll take his time. He'll take one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve plus years to finally get us to this place where we're separated from God without even realizing it. Real slowly, he'll do that. Very subtle. It's kind of like a marriage. You know, your first marriage, woo you're so close together, everything's, oh, everything's great. And if you're not careful, if you don't continue to do the things you did in the beginning, 10, 20 years down the line, you hate each other. You don't want to be around each other. You can't wait for them to go to work. There's just something inside of us that slowly comes up, and then you're saying, I don't even want to be around this person. That's what the devil wants to do with our relationship with God, but he has to find a way to do that. And so for many, he starts, and for what we're dealing with in our state, He actually is starting with family. He starts with family. If you look at the media in the past 30 years, that's what's been dismantled, is the view of what family should look like. You turn on the TV for any sitcom and you watch the values of that family, it's totally different than what the Bible says. Now, I'm not here to say, okay, you need to be the Bible family and you have to follow everything in the Bible. But what I am saying is when you do, you become a blessed family. So you make that choice. No one can choose that for you. Yet at the same time, when the the devil knows that if he can dismantle the family, then it makes it that much more difficult uh, for us to even focus on God. If he can get us here, then he can destroy us here. So he tries for the family, but sometimes the family stays strong. As we say, the family who plays together stays together. The family who prays together stays together. So now he says, okay, I, I, I've, I've, kind of, I've kind of been victorious with the family. If you look at the family structure in our nation today, it's nowhere near how the Bible says family is supposed to be like. Now some are, but majority of it, I, I grew up in a broken home. My mom and dad got separated, left, and all kinds of things took place in our family. So if the devil can go there, then he's, he's, he's on to something. And yeah, God can redeem, God can help, God can restore, but the devil is after this. And if he can do this well and break apart the family, then he can go to what's next. And what makes a family is when two people are married. In other words, God created man and woman so that they could repopulate the earth and make families. You can't get a family from two men or from two women. You just can't. Oh, we can adopt, yeah, but it's going to come from a male and a female. Oh, we can, we can do how scientific in, fertilization can go, and we can do it that way. Yeah, you can, but if you go back to the very beginning, that's not how God created it. He said, one man, one woman. That's where marriage is. One man, one woman. So now the devil says, "Mm, that's blocking me from doing this. So if I can get you here and then have this not be of value, then it'll be whatever. It'll be whatever. Now, what we're dealing with in our state right now is, and you might be hearing about this special session, that uh, same-sex marriage may become a law. So there's a bill right now in place for it to become a law. And there's certain things in there that's going to put you and I as believers in such a difficult situation because you give the rights to one group, you take away the rights from another group. And we have the freedom of religion or to practice our freedom uh, thereof, the freedom of religion. And if if we don't put certain things in this bill, then your business, this church, the way we function will be completely different if this law is passed. That's why we got to get educated on what it exactly says in the bill. So, as we go through these next couple of weeks, I'll give you more and more information on where we are concerning this special session that's happening. And in, in, on October 28, exactly October 28 of next month, the governor is calling the special session together to pass the law on same-gender marriage with the rights swung on the extreme side of those who are in favor of same-gender marriage. Now, you may be thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, not only are the rights of those who believe in same-gender marriage will be given, but even above and beyond their rights will be given. For instance, if they get married in another state and come here, they can get divorced here. Whereas we, in a heterosexual marriage, if we get married here, we can't get divorced anywhere else. We have to get divorced in the state in which, or any state, with a heterosexual marriage. That's where you need to get divorced. So it's not it's not equality anymore. There's special rights that are being given that aren't given to everyone. It's not about equality anymore. It's actually special rights. So again, we got to get educated on this and what's happening. The National Gay Task Force have been strategizing for over 30 years with the agenda of dismantling the institution of marriage itself. But that's not where they're stopping. Because I think some of us will just say, oh boy, okay, well, just let them go. You know, let them, you know, have the marriage. Just let them go and then let, let them not bother us anymore. And just whatever's going to happen it's going to happen. But you see, that's, that's midway of the strategy. That's just taking like one of your pawns if you're playing Chess. It's like you playing chess and you're saying, ah, that don't matter. That don't matter. Let them go. Let them take that. Let them take that. Let them take the queen. Let them take the rook. Let them take the knight. It's no big deal. But that's not their strategy. The strategy is not to get the pawn. The strategy is not to just get marriage. It's so much bigger than that. They want to dismantle marriage so that they can go after you as a Christian believer. But we got to understand this. I want us to watch this video, and it's about almost three minutes long, and uh, it's just going to give us just uh, an insight on what's happening right now. Uh, let me just say this, okay, because I, I have some friends who are gay, some friends who live the homosexual lifestyle, and they're like, I don't even know what what to do. They're, they don't know what to do. Uh, some are saying, ah, I'm all for, you know, uh, same-sex marriage. And so even my friends who don't know what to do, we as Christians, God has given us the citizenship of heaven to love people beyond what they believe because God loves every single person. And so we got to keep in mind that we were not warring against the person. Otherwise, when all is said and done, even if this doesn't become a law and all is said and done, then are we still reaching out to people who need Jesus? Are we still saying we love people regardless of what they believe or their sexual orientation? Are we still going to love people into the kingdom? You see, we can even get duped into believing that we so-called won if if this never becomes a law. But what good is it to vote down the law but never be able to reach out to someone who's living a homosexual lifestyle? What good is it if we're still not reaching out to people who desperately need Jesus like you and I do? So we're going to watch this video and then we'll continue. It's about three minutes long. Uh, we can take a look at this. So I don't know if you caught exactly what she said, but she said she has five parents. And they kind of form their own ideal of family. That I, I believe she said that, the, and the third is the biological child of her current partner, which is her brother. So, it's not only about marriage, it's about dismantling marriage, dismantling the view of family, kind of like making up your own way of how you want family to be. Now, the Bible says this in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons these people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married. She, what, what this person was saying, Masha was saying, is that the whole idea of the institution of marriage should be done away with in its entirety. Just done away with how will this be resolved how, so what do we do i mean you have people like this you have you have the the whole coalition uh, backed by a lot of uh, wealthy people you have major companies backing up these uh, gay activists and 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 moving forward with what we're seeing right now midway where does that leave us how do we how do we respond to this how does this how does this be resolved Well, the church, first of all, needs to be the church. We cannot sit in a room like this amening all the time and doing nothing about it. It's just simply put. There's no sense of us being in this building saying yes to God, going out there and saying no to everything he asks us to do. It's that simple. The church needs to be the church. And if you need to, because I have, I went to God and said, Lord, forgive me. I have not been who you've made me to be. I've been silent. I have not been educated. I just kind of went with the, oh, God comes, he saves, and go save people. That's what I've been doing. But it's more to it than that. He said, in the last days, even even in the area of marriage, where that was the first kind of act that God did when it came to people, he brought these two together. And even that will be dismantled so the church needs to be the church second timothy 3:12 tells us this indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted will be persecuted that's what paul was speaking from from being persecuted there are certain steps that need to take uh, that need to be taken in order for us to protect our freedom of religion And you may have a difficult time with this. You may have family members that are dealing with this. And and you're thinking, boy, if I take a stand, then what if people don't like me? What if people turn away? Again, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So what Jesus is saying is, it's going to happen. You will be persecuted for your faith in me unless, unless you deny me. Unless you deny me. Because if you deny me, you're not someone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus. So if you don't want to be persecuted, then it's simple, don't believe in Jesus Christ and don't show it. But I think, I truly believe, I truly believe that you and I have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ to the point where we understand what he did for us. Death on the cross, so that we could have eternal life. But he also has given us the Holy Spirit not to make us feel good. He gave us the Holy Spirit because we're going to need his help. We're actually going to need his help. The First Amendment tells us Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people, peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. In other words, if the government is making some mistakes, we got to do something about it. We have to do something about it. We need to make a stand, not just for us today, but for our children and our children's children. Some of you have grandchildren. I have three. I want to do a good job today for them tomorrow. I don't want them to come to me one day and say, Papa, what did you do? I mean, you, you, were, you were part of this thing. Why, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you do anything? What did you do? I want to look them in the eye and say, I did everything possible. I even was persecuted. I went to jail because of what I stood for. Because I believed in this next generation and generations beyond. I want to be able to say that to my children's children. Because those who, are, who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The question is, are you willing to be persecuted for your belief in Jesus Christ. That's really the question. Are you willing? Or does it just sound good right now? Here's a couple steps that we will be doing, and, and if you need help with this, you can let us know. In fact, tonight we're going to be doing a couple things. Uh, but the first thing, and some of you have done this, don't stop, keep doing this, to email, call, or visit your representatives and senators. So you're going to email or contact, call, and visit reps and senators. Because they're the ones who are supposed to represent us. And it's interesting. On the way out, you should be um, given a, a, a flyer. Some of you already got one of those. But it will show you all of the representatives and senators who say yes and no. And here's, here's what's daunting and almost surprising, but almost not surprising. They're actually saying yes or no personally. Did you get that? As our representatives they're saying yes or no to this bill personally even though the majority of the people that they represent say we don't want this into law they personally want this into law so in other words if they're not representing you they're not your representative don't vote for them again it's just that simple this is the government of the people by the people we cannot forget that you know now history is coming back to me I wish I paid attention but we still have time so we have computers available tonight and if you need help to do that we can help you walk through the process we have some computers set up in our fellowship hall Uh, some of you may not have access to the computer or you're wondering I don't even know how to do this it'll only take a couple minutes just to email because we have to open up from your email account whether it's you know whatever email uh, you use And we can help you with that. Also, the flyers on the way out that you can grab. And we should have on either side uh, that you can take uh, with you. And that will uh, let you know who you can contact, who is in your district, and who your representative is. And then the second thing is to write letters to the editor. Just write to the newspapers. Just write. Give them your view. Be concise. Be firm. But be loving. But let them know what you believe and what you feel and what you what you want to say. And then the third thing is to pray and fast. To pray and fast. Uh, in the next 40 days, that's what that's what many of us will be doing. And uh, you don't have to fast for 40 days because it's 40 days from now till uh, the special session will be put in. Uh, there's different kinds of fast. I'll be talking about that next week on the different kinds of fast. Uh, some of you, I'll uh, just touch up on a little tonight. But just remember, fasting is... it. Uh, fasting is less important than your obedience to God and His will. Okay, so uh, just remember that. Micah uh, six eight it says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So it's, it's more than just fasting. It's really humbly walking with God, seeking His will. As Matthew 6, 6 through, uh, 16 through 18 says, uh, Jesus was saying this, he says, Moreover, when you do fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Like, oh, I'm fasting, oh, I'm fasting. For they disfigure their faces that, may, that they may seem, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In other words, the only person you really need to let know who is fasting is probably the people in your house. Because they're going to try to feed you food, or if you're trying to fast from certain things they're going to be like, what's wrong with you? So you might need to tell your spouse. That would be a great idea. Uh, Let me just give you four quick uh, uh, ways to fast, four different kinds of fast. The first one is the normal fast, which many of us know, and that's just liquids or just water, or some will do just juice, but more water that you're just fasting, abstaining from all foods, just drinking water. And for a certain time period, the second one is the absolute fast. So the first one is the normal fast. The second one is the absolute fast, which allows no water and no food for a certain time period. Remember, Moses did that. He didn't eat or drink water for 40 days. And you're thinking, after three weeks, you're supposed to die if, you're, if you don't have food or water. I forget which one it was. But that was a supernatural fast. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'll admit it first I'm not Moses. I'm not anywhere near Moses. So God didn't tell me to go without food or water for 40 days. Hallelujah. So that's a supernatural fast. So you may skip a meal or something to that nature and fast from the food and water or drink uh, for a certain time period. And then there's the partial fast, (laughs) which you omit certain foods or you're on a schedule that includes a limited eating. Like you skip a meal uh, in one day. And you do that for a certain time period. You know, every three days you, you fast one entire day. Whatever it would be. That's the partial fast. And then there's the rotational fast. And these are all scriptural, okay? Next week I'll cover this in detail. But eating or omitting certain families of foods, like grains every fourth day, uh, you know, uh, breads or rice or you know meats every so much amount of days. So the various food families are rotated so you have some kind of food available to you each day so there are those different ones so the normal fast absolute fast partial fast rotational fast and uh, you can pray and ask God what do you want me to do because it's going to be from him and what he's asking us to do so let me just say this seek your doctor before you fast okay don't just go crazy and say "Oh, I'm gonna do the supernatural fast and I can lose weight no it's not about weight loss okay this is a spiritual fast that we're doing and uh, But the benefits, maybe you might lose a pound or two, not to try and wheel you in, but the purpose for this fast is to seek the Lord in protecting our freedom of religion concerning marriage and voting down same gender marriage that 's why we 're fasting it 's protecting our freedom of religion concerning marriage and voting down same gender marriage so next week i 'll go more into depth, uh, more in depth, and then um, uh, what fasting is all about, but also Uh, what else is happening uh, regarding all of these things. I know it's much, but you can do your own research, uh, make sure it's uh, accurate information, and then uh, we can continue to learn and grow together, making sure we go back to the Bible, and what the Bible says. Everybody good? We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. He's a good God. It's our turn to stand. Would you stand with me tonight as we conclude in our prayer time? By the way, if this is your first time to our Wednesday night, we welcome you. <laughs> if you're invited by someone, and, uh, and, and all joking aside, if you were invited by someone, and you're actually in a homosexual lifestyle, and this is very uncomfortable for you, uh, God loves you that much. He loves you that much that He would say, I need you to be here. Because it's not about you. It's really about God, what God wants to do. That is a plan for future and the hope. We all fall short of the glory of God, but He loves us that much to even bring us here tonight. Because He loves us that much, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being our God and for being the Risen King. Lord, we pray in, in this season of of our state, even in the season of marriages and families. Lord. Boy, it's, it's kind of like we're playing catch-up right now. We're in the middle of this chess match, and we haven't been paying attention. Some people have been. But Lord, I, I think on my part as, as the pastor, I want to do what you're asking me to do. I don't want to do what we call church. I want us to be the church, Lord. The church that you created long ago that you said, I'm going to put you in pockets of community so that you can be the salt of the earth so that you can add flavor, not take away flavor, so that you can add light, not darkness, so that you could be a shining light for people who need to find hope. So, Lord, help us to be those people. Help us, Lord, to love others just as much as you love us unconditionally, that we would bring hope to people who have no hope, that we wouldn't condemn, but we would love. And We can only love because you first loved us, so we thank you for allowing us the privilege once again to be your ambassadors, even though we may be persecuted for what we believe in. We all stand together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And We all said, amen. amen.